You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington, DC, and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. I discovered a new TikTok trend this week, which is, uh, I know some of us don't like TikTok too much, but uh, lost several brain cells in the process. But essentially, it's a trend about a McDonald's character, which is going to be up on the screen, named Grimace. You can, you can groan. Uh, basically, it's this character's birthday. And so what McDonald's has done is they've uh, created a purple shake in his, his honor. So essentially what the trend is, is that uh, people film themselves drinking these shakes or the aftermath of drinking these shakes and what they say is that uh, that the shake the the, con- the the consuming of this this shake leads to a deadly effect or uh, or a fatal consequence and so i watched one of the videos uh it was such a terrible commentary on where we are as a, as a culture that i couldn't watch the rest but uh, essentially what you see in these videos is things like uh young men and young women uh, covered in purple goo as a result of perhaps Grimace's uh, fatal effects. Or you see some videos of, of people falling over and pretending they're dying. There's even some videos, uh, allegedly I didn't see these, of people saying they're being hunted by, by Grimace. Uh, it's, it's totally dumb. It's totally dumb. But like I said, it's such a great picture of where we are as, as a culture, perhaps. Now, I went down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole on, on Grimace, and this had nothing to do with, with this sermon. This is just, just hobbies in the, on, on the side. Uh, but, but a key background to, to this trend is that Grimace's identity is disputed. Grimace's identity is disputed. His nature is being questioned, not just what species he is or what gender he is, but is he good or is he bad? Is he good or is he bad? Essentially, the history is 50 years ago when McDonald's dropped all these characters. They first introduced Grimace as evil Grimace, as evil Grimace. Essentially, he stole hamburgers. He stole milkshakes. He he stole fries. He was evil Grimace. But then recently, he was reintroduced. He was reintroduced, but this time as good Grimace, as just Grimace. They dropped the, the evil from his name, so now it's just Grimace. But, but recently, what, what's been happening is a lot of people have been saying, well, wait, this, this seems a little fishy. We feel like we're being tricked. We know there's something bad about this guy. We know there's still darkness in him. He may look good, but he's still really got, he's really up to no good. So that's essentially the joke. That's the trend. Uh, there's a ton of mystery around is Grimace good or is Grimace bad? Now, I'm mentioning this this morning. This gets harder every, every week to come up with one of these. <laughs> I'm mentioning this this morning because in our passage that we're going to see here in, the, in, in just a moment, we're going to see a very similar idea. Are we good or are we bad? Just like there's a debate over whether Grimace is good or whether he's bad, as we think about our own thoughts, as we think about our own actions, as we think about our own motives, that should sometimes make us question, are we good or are we bad? 
What I mean is that as Christians, as people who have been bought by the blood of Christ, as people who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven of all of our sins, experiencing a, a higher love, right? We've experienced the grace of God. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. We're no longer mastered by our lusts. We're no longer mastered by our pride. We know Jesus. We know Him as Lord. We have the power of the Spirit of God living inside of us. Yet we know what's still in us. We know that there's still some darkness residing within us. We know that even in a relationship, a positive relationship to God, that we sometimes still sin. We doubt, we hoard, we don't wait. Are we good or are we bad? Well, if you're in Christ this morning, the answer to that question is that it's both. We'll see the truth that there is a battle going on in each and every one of our hearts between good and evil every single second of the day. There is a battle between light and darkness going on in the center of our souls every single moment. There is a battle for our wholeness, for our restoration, for our joy happening every single moment within us. And what we'll see that left to ourselves this morning, it is a battle we cannot win. It's a battle we cannot win. We don't have enough resources within ourselves moral strength, willpower to win the battle. But we'll also see this morning the good news, the gospel this morning, is that if you know him, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've welcomed God's rescue, if you've welcomed his Holy Spirit into your life, it is a battle that we cannot lose. It's a battle we cannot lose. Unlimited resources. My main idea is essentially going to follow that. It's going to be a quote from the book of Philippians. It's really uh, kind of uh, captures the, the, the overall uh, thrust of this passage, and it's this. He who began a good work in you will complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you will complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. In this passage, we're going to see ourselves in the Apostle Paul's transparency. We'll see this famous pastor the Apostle Paul, the spokesperson for the Son of God, get real with us about his heart, his experience in living the Christian life, his experience in following Jesus. And what we're going to see is that sometimes the famous pastor, the Apostle Paul, the spokes of the Son of God, sometimes his heart is an absolute mess. Sometimes it's rowdy in there. It seems hopeless at times. But we'll also see that he never loses hope. He knows there's a rescuer. He knows that there is a peace outside of him, a savior that can deliver him. We'll see that there is a God who has started a good work in us and is going to complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. We'll see ourselves in that. We'll see that sometimes we're a mess. Sometimes our hearts are not steady. But the God who began a good work in us is going to complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. Now, my points are going to be up on the screen. They're also going to flow right from this passage. I have two points this morning and maybe some application here at the end, uh, an application kind of throughout. Number one, the battle you can't win. We'll see that in verses 7 through 13. And then number two, the battle you cannot lose. We'll see that at the end of 
chapter 7. Now, as way of, uh, by way of review, last week we started hearing how Paul, we were looking at Romans chapter 6, we're kind of right in the middle of a, a series in Romans. If you're new with us, welcome, we're so glad you're here. But last week we started hearing how Paul was responding to some misunderstandings about the gospel some misunderstandings about the gospel, the message of Jesus, the, the, the primary message of the Bible. Paul is essentially saying, in the gospel, your past, present, future sins are forgiven. He's saying, Jesus Christ died for you. It's paid in full. It is finished. It's good news. It's, it's not good advice. It's good news. It's all about grace. But what some people heard, when they heard that, they said, if that is true, if, if God just forgives all of our past, present, future sins. If it's all just about grace, Paul, you're giving people a license to sin. If Jesus just paid for everything, if, if sin is just taken care of and we're forgiven of everything, they thought people are just going to see that as a, as a get out of jail free card. Talk about the law. Talk about the rules. Stop, stop talking about grace. Stop talking about, about the gospel. And so as we saw last week, Paul basically says, no, 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 no. He says, that's totally missing the point. He says, in knowing Jesus Christ, it's a whole new life. It's a whole new life. He says, we died to sin. Died to sin, not meaning we won't ever struggle with it. Not meaning we'll never sin again. Died to sin, meaning our relationship to it and with it has totally changed. It's like in life, if you say about someone, he's dead to me or she's dead to me. That literally doesn't mean he or she is literally dead here and now. But it means that their influence over you is gone. Their impact on your life, on your emotions, on your decisions, it's no longer relevant. It's no longer significant. That's what knowing Jesus means. Sin is dead to us. It's influence over our lives. It's impact on our decisions, on our emotions, is not what it once was. Instead, there is a new power at work in our hearts. There's a new principle at work in our lives. Now, what is that power? What is that principle? Well, Paul will say it's the very grace of God. The very grace of God. And Paul will say that that grace is what finally frees us from the reign of sin, from the power of sin. How? Well, because it pushes out, it kicks out another principle, another power that was in each and every one of our hearts a principle and power that this whole world is built on. The principle of law. The principle of law is what every other religion essentially operates on in the world. It's our natural operating system as human beings. The principle of law is essentially trying to earn our validation, our affirmation, our salvation from any system or moral code. The principle of law is trying to earn our validation or our affirmation, or our salvation from any system or moral code. Without grace, this is where we all are. This is the default. Life, career, relationships, they all are a means to something. What? For the heart to be deeply validated, to be affirmed, to be saved from this mundane world. And Paul says that principle, if you operate in that principle, it will crush you. You will never rest. It will exhaust you. It will disappoint you. 
He says it won't work. You won't get what you're after. Your heart deep down inside will be afraid. You'll be unsure. You'll be enslaved. Why? Because it's a system, even if the God card is thrown around at the core of it, it's a system that's all about you. It's all about your efforts. It's all about you trying to fix something deeply within you that cannot be fixed apart from God's grace. And Paul says, if you're in Christ this morning, you died to this principle. We're not under it anymore in any way. Now, why is that? Because we have the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. The grace of God is that we have the very righteousness of Jesus Christ now within us. We now have ultimate validation, ultimate affirmation, ultimate salvation. He says we died not only to sin, but we died to the law. And this is what he's talking about. We died to the law. We died to the law. Not meaning we no longer follow the law, God's commandments, or that we don't love God's law, the Ten Commandments. Not meaning we don't pursue and love righteousness. Died to the law, meaning our relationship with it has totally changed. Meaning we're not trying to earn our validation or our affirmation or our salvation from any system or moral code. Life, career, religion, relationships, they're no longer platforms for us to try to secure our identity or our worth or our value. We now have all of that in Jesus Christ, in the God who loves us and gave himself for us. And now the result is that we honor God. We love God. We do all these things for his glory. Now, when some people hear that, they also get confused. They think, well, if that's true, if, if God just gives us the righteousness of Jesus, if it's all about grace, what's the point of the moral code? What's the point of the, 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 the law of God, the, the truth of God? What's the point of the, 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 the commandments? And they say, if people, if people get trapped in that, if people get trapped trying to earn their validation and their salvation and, 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 their, and, their, and their security, let's just throw it all out because it's bad. It must just be bad. It's just the righteousness of Jesus, the faith in him and trust in this. We just, just throw it all out. And so this really will lead us to our first point this morning, the battle we cannot win. We'll pick up in verse 7, and I'll kind of do a running commentary on the verses. Verse 7, what then shall we say? That the law of God is sin? By no means. In other words, he says, just because sometimes people relate to God's commandments, to God's truth in the wrong way, doesn't mean it's bad. Verse 7 continues. Yet if, I had not, yet if it had not been for the law, I would, have, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. He says one reason God's law, primarily again, the commandments here is good, is because it defines right and it defines wrong. It shows us what sin is, verse 8. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. In other words, he says, there's a problem. The problem is me, not God's law. He says sin is pervasive. He says, it's so potent in me that, that when I started thinking about coveting, I actually coveted more. He says, the commandment, do not covet. When I read that commandment, when I thought about it, it actually triggered me. And it made me want to covet even more. He summarizes, verse 8, For apart from the law, sin lies 
dead, meaning he's saying that without the law, I would never see how fully complicated I am, how much of a walking contradiction I am. He says the law brings it all out. The law of God is good because it shows me sin is in me. It's part of me. He goes on and he gives an example. It's an example about his life before he knew Jesus Christ, before he knew the grace of God. He says this, verse 9, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. Now, this is actually very deep. This is very deep because there was never actually a time when he was apart from the law. There was never actually a time when he was apart from the law. He grew up in a Jewish family, a devout Jewish family. He was always near the law. And in fact, he became a Pharisee, which is an expert in the law. So he, he must mean something different here. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. What does he mean? What does he mean? Well, he means that there used to be a time in his life where he thought he was doing well, where he thought he was pleasing to God, where he thought he was spiritually alive, he was doing God's work. But during that time, he had no clue. He had no clue what the law actually meant. He saw it as a bunch of external rules. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. But he had no idea of the basic force, the basic thrust of the law as a whole. He was a Pharisee. So he thought sin was just external. If you don't do any evil action publicly, if you don't do any type of, uh, of, of action outside of yourself that violates God's written law, then you're not guilty of sin. The problem is he had no real understanding of holiness. He had no real understanding of the motives underneath his motives, of what it actually means to love God, or what it means to love his neighbor as himself. He didn't understand, we might say, his own heart. So looking back, he says, yeah, I, I was once alive apart from the law. In other words, I was once blind. But then something happened, verse 9. But when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. But when the commandment came, sin came alive, and I died. What does he mean? The commandments were thousands and thousands of years old. He knew that. In fact, he knew all of them. What does he mean? He means here that a commandment finally came home to him. It finally made sense to him. Which commandment? Well, in context, it's the 10th commandment. You shall not covet. It's the commandment that has most to do with your heart, with what's going on inside of your heart, the motives of the soul, the attitudes of your spirit, the direction of your life. To covet means you want something so badly on the inside that someone else has, and you're not satisfied with life until you have it. You're discontent. And this is the one that comes home to him. He's convicted, we might say. He sees his heart. And he sees that it's a mess. He might be obeying all the externals, doing all the right things, but now he finally sees his heart. Verse 10. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, it killed me. In other words, he was convicted. He saw his heart. He saw that he was trying to earn his validation his affirmation, 
and his salvation by following a moral code, even the right one. It was a battle that he could not win. He can't win because that's not what God's good law is designed to do, verse 12, verse 13. He can't win because sin lives within him, and it's pervasive, it's potent. And the same is true for us this morning. If we try to find our validation or our salvation or our affirmation by following God's law, even the right law, it is a battle we cannot win. We can't win because sin lives within us, and it's pervasive, it's potent, it's powerful. Now before we move on to point two, kind of a good way to summarize this first point, and it's heavy, is through a very sophisticated song I keep hearing on the radio and Spotify, and the, the, catch, the catchy lyric goes something like this, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. I thought that was very funny. Or maybe said a different way, uh, a good way to summarize this first point is through, through this story. Uh, a famous British newspaper uh, once sent out a general letter to authors across uh, the UK, and the question was, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world? And the writer G.K. Chesterton responded, Dear sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. The point is the quest to be justified, to receive salvation by our good works, by following your own code, it cannot work. It won't work because there's a deep stain, a complex fracture within us called sin. The passage continues, and we really see point two this morning, the battle we cannot lose. The battle we cannot lose. Paul now is going to shift the discussion, the, the verbs all change, from his pre-Christian days to the present as a mature Christian, as an apostle. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. In other words, he's about to get really transparent. He's about to get really transparent about the Christian life. Though he's been set free from sin, though he has the Spirit of God living inside of him, though he wants to do good, there's still some darkness within him. There's a battle between evil and good going on in his heart. There's a battle for wholeness. There's a battle for restoration and joy happening every moment within him. Verse 15, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. That is, the great Apostle Paul still sins. We still sin. There's a conflict within, verse 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. He says, if I sin and I know it's sin, the law is good, because it's, it's pointing that out, verse 17. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Said another way, he is saying that there is a, there's an internal conflict within him. Even, even the most mature 
the most godly believer, the most spirit-filled believer, the Apostle Paul, says there is still a daily battle. There's still a daily battle. Now, what is that battle? Well, he defines it. It's the flesh, the sin nature versus the I or the me. And of course, the I or the me is the new man or the new woman. In Jesus Christ, he's become a new man. That is his true identity now. Deep down inside, the old man has been done away with, and the new man is alive by the Spirit of the living God. I am crucified with Christ, Paul says. I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying he's new. Deep down inside of himself, the true Paul has a new nature. And likewise, if you're in Christ this morning, the I, the me, deep down inside of us has been recreated to be a new man, to be a new woman in Jesus Christ. This is our true identity. Deep down inside, we love God now. We want to live for God from the heart. We love His church. We hate the sin in ourselves. We love the gospel. We've been made alive by the Spirit of God. But notice, just like Paul, we've not fully arrived yet. We've died to sin, but sin still lives within us. It's not moved out of us completely. It's like the enemy city has been, been captured. There's a new government in place, but there's still little enemy troops out in the countryside. Our sin nature goes to bed with us. It still dreams with us. It still wakes up with us. It still goes to work with us. It travels with us. It goes to church with us. Every moment of every day, the sin nature is still there, and it creates a conflict within us. We've died to sin, but sin still lives within us. The passage continues, verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. In other words, he's saying, downtown I love God, but out in the suburbs of myself there's an awful lot of other stuff. Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. In other words, he says, how's this battle going to end? Who's going to win out? The sinful flesh, the sin nature, or the me, the I, the new man, the new woman in Jesus Christ? Well, the answer is that one day we'll see him face to face. One day there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more struggles. There'll be no more sin. We'll have a new flesh, and with our new flesh, we'll serve the law of God. We'll have the perfect peace we've always dreamed of, the bodies and the minds we've always wanted. We'll be complete, holy, and perfected in His presence forever. He who began a good work in you will complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. The gospel here this morning in Romans 7 is that God has already started a good work in us. He's given us His Spirit, a love for Him, a love for His people, and one day He'll complete that work. 
and the gospel also here this morning is that though we're capable of so much bad, even as Christians, if you know him, none of that can bring you into condemnation before God. As the next chapter will tell us, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. We're not defined by our temptations. We're not defined by the old man or the old woman. We're defined by the mercy of God that dwells within us. As we close, I just have three very brief takeaways from all of this. Three takeaways, just as some food for thought. Number one, embrace the tension. Embrace the tension. The the Christian life is the reality of an ongoing struggle between the transforming power of God and the indwelling sin within us. Don't be discouraged by moments of weakness or defeat. There's moments in the Christian life we hate what we do, and the very fact that we're sensitive to this is evidence that God has begun a good work in us. Number two, love God's ways. Love God's ways. Who we are on the deepest level because of the grace of God, because of the mercy of God, is people who now love God. His love for us has transformed us. The spirit and Christian freedom is not opposed to aligning your love and life with God's truth. Loving righteousness, loving his word, loving his church, loving his mission. All things we want to sink our lives up with. And finally, before we pray, the battle is worth it. The battle is worth it. In the midst of all the struggles, we've got to remind ourselves the battle against sin is worth fighting. The the Christian life is ultimately a journey to be more like Jesus Christ, to be holy, to be righteous. It's the pursuit of our true humanity. Sin is ultimately what defaces us. It distorts all that it means to be human. But if we embrace the power of the Spirit, if we live in the power of the gospel, we can find the motivation to keep pressing on. Thank you for listening to this episode of King's Church DC podcast. If this sermon encouraged you, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on our church and service times, please visit kingschurchdc.com. We hope you will join us again next week.